Romans chapter 15. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Lever said, Reputation is what men think we are. Character is what God knows we are. Someone else said, Character is like the foundation of a house. It is below the surface. And Peter said, we are given exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Let me say that again. We are given exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature the nature of God. Think about that. These promises in the book are given to us that we might be partakers of God's nature. How much is your nature like God's? <laughs> I, I believe that all of us have improvement in that area that can be, we can be improved. You see, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said that he was, he was the chief of sinners. And look what God did in Paul's life. I believe God can do something with us. Amen? Let's start tonight by looking at the first five verses. chapter 15 of Romans. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scru uh, scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, or that word edification means building up. We ought to be building one another up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I want to read that last verse again because I think it's very important. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So these things that are written in this chapter are things that God, through the Holy Spirit, prompted Paul to write down that you and I might have hope that we might be comforted and have hope that we might find patience and have hope isn't that what it's saying and so I believe that in this chapter tonight 
there is that which is written here to bring comfort to people that just come in here, to bring patience to our lives, to hang on and to live in hope. So I'm going to ask that Charlotte would pray that God would give us hope through the scriptures tonight. Would you pray? Hallelujah. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. We have been given great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Well, first of all here, in verse 5, it gives us some of the divine nature. It says, Now may the God of peace and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. I told you that these things were, in verse 4 it says, were for our learning, that we might have peace, uh, patience and comfort and hope. And here we find that God is a God of patience. He's a God of comfort. Patience is waiting for the fulfillment of his plan. Thousands of years, he waited to send his son. He waited until the fullness of time. That's how patient God is. You know, you better be glad that I'm not God. I am not very long on patience. If I'd have been God, I would have destroyed everybody long ago. But God is patient. He has a timetable. He's willing to wait until things are exactly the way he wants them. We're told in Scripture that we are living in the time of grace. This is the day of the Gentiles. And he is going to, to switch back and he's going to, it tells us here in Romans, he's again going to go back to the nation of Israel and there will be continuing in the, this last week of the, Gentile, uh, of the Jewish nation, of the Israelites. But in the meantime, the reason he hasn't come yet 
is because he is patient. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And the only reason he hasn't come is because he's waiting because he wants a few more souls to be saved. All the time he spent on training Israel, think about it. All the time he, prepared, uh, he spent preparing nations. And when the fullness of time had come, he sent forth Jesus. There's going to come a day when he's going to... Did you ever think of the first person that ever got saved? Sometime after, the, after uh, Pentecost, someone had to be the first one to get saved, right? But one day, there's going to be a last one to get saved. One day, someone's going to get saved, and God says, that's it. It's all over with. I'm turning back to the Jews. The time of the Gentiles is going to come to an end. The time of grace is going to come to an end. And the only thing that keeps God from, from coming now is that his, he's patient. Very patient. I'm glad he was patient with me. I'm glad he's still patient with me. Hallelujah. We've got lessons to learn here from God. How impatient most of us are. We pray a prayer. God doesn't answer it in five minutes. Must be he's not going to answer. Abraham waited for 25 years for the answer to see a son, right? Some of, some of the saints in the Old Testament died without seeing the answers to their prayers. But it doesn't mean that God didn't hear them. You know, we, we watch so much television and everything ends in, in 30 minutes that we, we've got that kind of a mentality now. Everything's got to be wrapped up now. But if God promises something, God's going to do it in his time. He's very patient. And that's the reason for so much frustration in the world today. I, I see people who are so frustrated, including myself, frustrated. We're frustrated because of this or that, and we're worried about this or that. And the reason for the frustrations is because we get impatient. We get impatient with our children. We get impatient with our husbands. Get impatient with our wives. We get impatient with our parents. We get impatient with our bosses. 
We get impatient with our employees. We get impatient with other church members. See, unity comes as a result of patience. You've heard the old song, God's not, something about uh, God's not finished with me yet. God's not done. God's still working on me. That's the way it goes. I remember they sang it here at, the, at your kids' crusade. How's that song go? He's still working on me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He's still working on me. Aren't you glad of that? Yeah, bumper stickers. God's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 13. You know, God keeps running me back to running me back to this chapter because I haven't learned what's there yet. Verse 4. I want you to see some of these definitions for love. It says that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not uh, par uh, parade itself is not puffed up, does not believe, uh, behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. <clears throat> Did you catch it? Love is patient. It says, long-suffering. It's the long-suffering of God, the reason he hasn't come yet. It's the long-suffering of God, the reason you haven't been destroyed. It's his patience. And if I'm going to have love like God's got, I've got to learn to be patient with people. Amen? I hate it when I preach myself under conviction. <laughs> I want you to know God preaches these to me before I preach them to you. Hallelujah. Jesus came to confirm the promises to the Jews. We find that in verse 8 of our text, which is Romans 15. We find that in verses 9 through 12 that he shows mercy to the Gentiles. And we ought to have 
the same kind of patience with each other that God has with us. Verse 5, right? It says, Grant, uh, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. Like-minded is who? What's it talking about there? Like-minded is who? Like-minded is God. That we would be patient and, and, and we would comfort and we would give hope. That we would have, we would be like-minded. Toward one another. According to Jesus Christ. We're, we're told that we can have the mind of Christ. I don't know of anybody any more patient than Christ. Do you? Hallelujah. And we're to have that kind of, kind of attitude towards one another. This divine nature. These promises are so that we can have the divine nature. So we need to work to have this patience, this love that God has. Amen? The second attribute that I see here in this scripture is found in verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may abound in hope. What does it mean abound? That you might just overflow. You might have the fullness. You might have an abundance of hope through the Holy Spirit. That we can live a life that's full of hope, not hopelessness. There's so much hopelessness in the world, isn't there? You, you, you hear about young people because of the pressures that are upon them in their youth committing suicide these days. It's one of the number one killers amongst young people. Hopelessness is why they do it. But God says we can abound in hope. We can have an, an extra abundance of hope. Just as day follows night and spring follows winter, we always have something to look forward to. As a young person, we look forward to going to school. As school people, we look forward to graduation. As a teenager, we look forward to marriage. As an old person, we look forward to retirement. There's always something to look forward to. You know, one day I'm going to walk down the streets of gold. Amen, I'm coming back and rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. I've got a lot of things to look forward to. This is just the beginning. Hallelujah. But you know, the Bible tells us that the unsaved don't have any hope. 
And we were that way at one time. We were in the world without God and without hope. Without God, there is no hope. What hope do you have if you don't have God? And God wants us to have hope. He tells us of a better life. And things that we can strive for in this world. We can strive to be more like Jesus. I think that one of the greatest things is in the Christian life, and George said it this morning, he said, even if there wasn't a hereafter, if there was no rewards, I still think this is the best way to live. Amen. How many of you feel that way? This is the only way to go. Amen. But, we're, but on top of this abundant life here and now, we're promised a better home, a better country. And Mo, uh, Moses, he wasn't willing to give it up for the riches of Egypt. He would rather suffer with the people of God. Well, I would too. I'm glad to know that there's a hope of a, of a better place than this earth. Amen? Hallelujah. There's better times coming. Paul here tells us how he's striving to get this message of hope to the unsaved as you read verse, uh, chapter 15. And this is the same message that you and I have. What should we do with this message of hope that we have? The Bible says that we're, we're to be ready always to give an account for the hope that's within us. Amen? We should be ready to tell somebody in season, out of season. I, I've got a hope. I've got to tell somebody. We need to share this message of hope. This is a hopeless world and people need to hear it. Hey, brother, this isn't all there is. This also will come to pass. <laughs> Jesus is coming. He's going to take us home. Hallelujah. Let's get this message of hope out to the people. And then last of all, there's one more attribute of God in this chapter. And it's found in verse 33. It says, now may the God of peace be with you all. <clears throat> peace is so much a part of God. I don't believe there's any turmoil in the Godhead, do you? I believe it's perfect peace. 
Wherever God is, there should be peace. If God dwells in your heart, then you ought to have peace. Look at Mark 4 with me. The reason I, I picked this one is because it's the one that we used this morning in our Sunday school class. And as George was talking about it, it I, I just needed to use it. Mark 4, and we'll start reading at verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And our brother told a story of how he'd went for this plane ride. And it was in Pennsylvania somewhere. And the plane was jouncing up and down and, you know, as they came up over the mountains, it was, you know, all this turbulence. And these women were, he said, was white-knuckling it. And they said, uh, how, how much longer is this going to going to last and he said the pilot said don't worry in a little bit we'll be above it and it'll be perfectly calm and one of the women I guess it was one of the women is that right George pointed to Mark the pilot's son and said he doesn't seem to be worried here he was sound asleep and the woman said well, the reason he can be calm is because his father is at the controls. If Jesus is at the controls, we can be calm. Amen? And sometimes we get in a situation, even when Jesus is with us, that we get into a turbulence. Jesus was in this boat, but yet the storm came. And the winds blew, and the sea arose, and there was danger there. They were in danger of perishing. But Jesus, knowing his father was in control of it all, was at the controls, was in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow, cutting some Z's. And we can take a lesson from that. Even in turbulence, even in the face of apparent danger, we need to have peace 
knowing that God is at the control. And I want you to notice it only took one word from Jesus. He said, Peace! Be still. And it says there was a great calm. All he said was, Peace! Be still! A great calm. Not just a, a little calming down. Like George said, when he was at sea, he said the waves kept going for a long time after, after the wind stopped, really started settling down. Well, I can go along with that because I can remember taking waves over the back of the boat that bent the, the catwalks around. And we took water down, down the smokestack. Waves 50 foot high. And you wondered whether you were going to make it says they that go down to the sea in ships. They, they shall see God. Read it, Psalm 107. That was written about Coast Guardmen. <laughs> but you know, even in those situations, you can trust God. He'll bring a peace to your heart. Now maybe someone here tonight has come in and their life is turmoil. Well, the God of comfort and the God of hope and the God of peace would say to you tonight, peace. Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. You know, the reason Jesus could be so calm because there was no conflict in his, in his life. Because he was morally good. No conflicts. He was in touch with God the Father continually. He had a perfect peace. If the God of peace is with us, then peace is going to pervade or prevail. Amen? Look at John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, I I'm giving you my peace. Don't you know that when you've got the peace of God in you, that nothing troubles you? It's when we leave God out that we get troubled. He's given us perfect peace. He'll never take it away. You know, the world gives you something and takes it back. But he said that we could have his peace. It's yours for the taking. Just trust in God. Let him do it.
Hallelujah. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. Don't let the world upset you. Don't let the devil get the best of you. Jesus is in charge, and he has given us his peace. And if he's in control, you can have that peace. Even in the world where you have tribulations, Jesus has overcome the world. Just tell him about it. Let him take care of it. Hallelujah. One more. Luke 2 and verse 14. Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. On earth. That's what the angels said, right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. In the middle of this troubled world. Peace. And you can have it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we have the peace of God in our heart, It'll bring peace to our homes. It'll bring peace to your marriage. It'll bring peace to your dealings with your children. It'll bring peace on the job. It'll bring peace in church relationships. Whatever you do, there'll be that peace and we can be partakers of this divine nature. God is peace. He's the God of peace. And we can have that peace. So what are the three attributes here, or the, the attributes that we've been talking about? Well, first of all, in verse 5, we found that he's the God of patience. And so we can have his patience and comfort. Then in verse 13, we found that he was the God of hope. And we can have that hope too. And then we found in verse 33 that he's the God of peace. And he wants us to have his peace. And all you got to do is ask for it. Look to him for it. Amen? Hallelujah. George, I'm going to ask you to close tonight with a word of prayer.